Welcome to another edition of the Royal Lions UK podcast. This is the 2022 NFL Draft Day 3 Recap Show. I'm here with my co-host, Anthony Fitzpatrick, Stephen Collins. How are you doing, boys? Oh, it's been a long weekend, but it's been. we've got through it. We're at the end, and we've had a pretty decent draft, so it was all worth it. And now I get to see Steve's lovely face as well, and that just rounds the morning off perfectly. How are you, Steve? What the fuck is that? Uh, don't, don't, don't subject the viewers to that. <laughs> we we want to keep people on the stream. Absolute filth. Can we can we move on? Proper football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Agreed. the audio listeners are going to wonder what the hell we've just done. <laughs> Matt's just basically just put a big middle finger up at everybody. That's what he's done. Just held up a, a porcelain turd to the screen. And on that note, let's talk about the Lions day three. Um, <laughs> took the tight end James Mitchell, the linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker James Houston, and cornerback Chase Lucas. Uh, and what are you making of the day three class for the Lions? I think we knocked it out the park. Um, as, and, and as far as day three picks go, don't get me wrong. There's not going to be like four bona fide starters who are going to make us a world-class Super Bowl team. But in terms of day three picks, this was probably one of the best outcomes we could have hoped for. We needed a tight end too because we have no depth at the position and we just have a lot of squad rotational guys there who are just making up the numbers per se. We needed an actual tight end too for this team. And James Mitchell will be that he's a sneaky good receiving option. You know, he got a lot of good yardage at Virginia Tech and he was getting thrown to by Braxton Burmeister, who is not the best quarterback in college football. His throws are erratic, his throws are wild. And yet, you know, he's able, you know, Mitchell was able to still reel in a lot of catches, but he's very good at contorting, getting all these difficult wobbly throws out the air. So, you know, as a receiving option, he's good. As a blocking option, he's very good. I know I've seen people saying that he's not, but that's because they're reading generic rundowns on him with all the bog standard words and phrases in there that people put on scouting reports. If the guy can block, there are some technical issues he needs to work out. But again, there are for quite a lot of guys who come out of college, but he is a very good blocker. Virginia Tech like their tie ends to block a lot of the time. He's very good at it. Um, after that, Malcolm Rodriguez, fantastic. I like this as a day three linebacker. Steve, I think Steve asked me yesterday on yesterday morning's one, were there any linebackers left who I would draft at this point? Because I was upset we'd not taken one. And he was the only one I mentioned um, who I thought was worth going after. Just like a bottom Twitter, the guy hits like a dump truck. You know, he hits running backs. He forces turnovers. Got five last year. Um, just because of the sheer weight of how he hits, it just it just sort of reverberates the ball out of a running back's hand. And 
again, he needs work. He overcommits a lot of the time. His arms are not the biggest in the world, so he will miss tackles. You, you mix it with the overcommitting, it's a bit of a dodgy scenario there. But if you can just temper that enthusiasm, as you were, just get him to make you know better decisions, more conscious decisions, he will be a really good linebacker at the next level, a really good depth linebacker who we can come in and we can plug the middle, stop people running so much on us, bring him up to the line of scrimmage, get him after the running back. He'll be great for us. Um, oh, James Houston. Also love this guy. We've mentioned him on the College Football Podcast before. He lives in the opposition backfield. His production this year has just been insane. I think his sacks and tackles for loss has been over 40 this year combined. What he's got there. You can play him off the edge. You can play him at linebacker. You can play him at outside linebacker. I feel like he'll be best at linebacker at the next level. So we got a lot of edge guys, but you can bring him into the edge rotation if you want. But this is another blitzing guy who will live in an opposition backfield and, you know, exactly the type of guy we need, really. And again, another who's good at bringing down running backs. We've got in players who are good against the run, which has been a weakness of ours for years and years and years now. So I love those three. The last one you would have to ask Ryan about. I've not seen as much of Arizona State this year. I usually leave that up to him when it comes to college stuff because he supports them. So all I can say is he's very old. I think he's the second oldest cornerback on our team because he was a super senior, a sixth-year guy, but works different ways. It means he's got the maturity, the experience. He's played 50 games at college level, so, yeah, he doesn't lack game experience. So, you know, at least he's going to come in and keep the youngsters honest, you know, go keep them on their toes because if they slip up, he could nick a roster spot off them. So I'd take competition there with the youngsters and get them to, to earn their spot. So I love the day three draft. I do. It's not an overreaction. I just think we've got some really good depth guys with a lot of potential who could be far better than where they were drafted. Mitchell's only there because he was injured. He could be so much better than a 177 pick. Before I go to Steve to talk about that day three class, just want to tell you guys about the guests that we've got coming up. We've got Graham Reed at 5.15 Eastern time. That's in 10 minutes time. Then uh, half an hour after that, we've got the British Bird Gang. That's the Cardinals fan group here in the UK. And a half an hour after that, our old friend Ryan Dengel from the Bear Down Chicago podcast. So really stacked show for you today. Steve, what did you make of day three for the Lions? So I think that only the most miserable Carlos Manares type could possibly hate this draft. Like for me, and that's a bit mean to Luke yesterday. Well, um, you know, <laughs> Luke came on yesterday uh, doing a, what I call Captain Hindsight, um, and you know he's he's clearly like quite fixated on like certain decisions and how the front office have approached it. But you've got to like step back and just look at like the big picture stuff. What did we say three days ago? Three days ago, it seems like an eternity. We said defense draft. We've taken six defensive players and two offensive players. For me, that's absolutely the right balance. We were never going to take eight defenders and no offensive players. Look at the two offensive players that we have taken as. And has just said far better than I can, you know, describe why James Mitchell is that fit at tight end two with the blocking ability to complement Hawk and Brock Wright. Um, and then we've taken 
who most people said was the best wide receiver in the draft. And we've given up hardly any draft capital to get him. So just from those two offensive picks, we've absolutely smashed it. And then you look at what we've got on defence, we've got you know, the edge rusher, we've got an edge rusher that can go inside as well in Pascal. We've got the safety that, that everyone wanted. Maybe it's not the one that one of those kind of top three or four safeties that we thought we were going to get. But from what I've read over the last 24 hours, Kirby Joseph can absolutely be very serviceable and possibly a starter. You know, and, and we've picked up a hard-hitting linebacker, a, you know, a corner. What What is there not to like? Like, this draft to me feels so much better than last year's draft where it did feel that they were kind of like reaching a bit in terms of, trying to be a bit too clever with, say, like Levi and Aleem in terms of, um, you know, trying to unearth hidden gems that other teams are going to miss. It feels this time like we've really had the time for the scouting team to do their research, absolutely go drill down to what exactly we're looking at. High character guys with upside, athletic. I think we've got the second most athletic um, draft in terms of um, the statistics. This to me feels like a really, really, really solid draft. As Ant said, you know, day two, day three is a little bit of a throwing darts at a dartboard. But to me, this feels like we've absolutely done a great job. Yeah, I completely agree. We're going to talk about the UDFAs we've picked up in a in a later segment. But just looking at the the players that we've drafted, I'm absolutely over the moon because. When you are picking up guys late, you either want to add dependable, reliable, high, high floor depth, potentially low ceiling, high floor depth, or you want to be taking lottery tickets on high bust rate, but high ceiling players, players that, you know, one in every 10 times are going to be potentially a world beater for you. And you see that all across the league. That you know, this guy went undrafted. This guy was a sixth round pick, and now you're signing him on his second contract to a max deal. So, if you have a look at a player like James Houston, he's absolutely in that in that latter mould of someone who, when it's all said and done, if you told me that he was cut before, you know, after training camp was done and the cuts fifty three, I'm not going to be surprised because we've got a lot of depth in players that are in positions that he can play. But if you told me that we signed him to a second contract worth five years, 80 million, because he came in, blitzed everyone to hell, came on leaps and bounds and, you know, did terrifically, I wouldn't be surprised either. Chase Lucas is in the former category for me. I think he's someone who's going to come in and provide high floor depth at the cornerback position. But I just don't see in him someone who's going to come in and possibly be your cornerback one. But in both of those picks, you're achieving your aims. You're not just burning the pick. There's a reason why you took these guys. So that's really, really good. Thanks to Cheeto TTV, who's from Detroit and is watching in, who's just followed us on Twitch. Thank you for that. Um, same with Malcolm Rodriguez as well. Very happy with that pick. But it's one of those which is going to be a boom or bust pick for me. Uh, really short arms, shortest arms of a linebacker in the entire NFL now at 30 and a half inches. But at the same time, he really shows up on tape in terms of his blitzing ability, a little bit of technical stuff to do. But love that pick. And James Mitchell, I haven't actually seen enough because he was injured all of last year, as, as the guys have said before. But 
I'm really excited. The the class overall just looks really good. And Jameson Williams for me is just so exciting. I know that Michigan fans are going to be really excited by having Hutch on the team, but we have lacked a wide receiver that when teams roll into Ford Field and go, how are we going to lose this game? What have we got to protect against? They would have said Hawkinson before, and I don't think that would have struck fear into their hearts. They would have been like, just got to deal with this tight end who doesn't really have good top-end speed but can take over a game over the middle if you don't deal with it. But he's not going to burn you over the top. Jameson Williams is the first guy we've had since Megatron who's going to elicit that sort of fear. And being able to command that attention is going to make things easier in the run game. It's going to make things easier over the middle for Amon Rasmus Brown, for Hawkinson. Um, and it's going to make things easier for DJ Chark too. Like, it's a signing that needed to happen. And if we didn't trade up, if we didn't trade up and we took Christian Watson at 32, you're drafting someone that you hope might be close to being that good. There's no certainty that's going to be the case. But if Jameson Williams comes in right now and plays like he did at Alabama, we've got a great player already. And he could still come on leaps and bounds. He's got work to do too. He's not a finished product. But where he is right now, he's an NFL player. He's an NFL starter right now. So this is terrific. Like, I couldn't have asked more. We could have screwed this up. We have seen Lions front officers screw up this this place before we sat down here and gone can we spin this to a positive whereas I think that Lions fans if they're so inclined are going to have to spin this to a negative if they want to because it's inherently a positive draft that's what Luke was doing yesterday because you know I, I just don't think you know the the, the Lions fans of are ever happy with the draft and I think that there's more capital to be gained in terms of you know piling into the franchise rather than going do you know what I think they've done a great job but I think we've you know we've got to get behind the, the front office because they've done you know maybe a couple of off-season things Jared Davis re-sign him but again we can cut him really really easily the, but overall, they've, never, they've not done anything to raise any red flags to me. And I think this is a great, great draft. And you know that I'm, I'm not always the most positive one in the group. Um, I, yeah, but for once, I think they've absolutely aced us. And when you look at some of the other GMs and front offices, you know, overreaching and stretching left, right and centre and giving up draft capital and, and you know, stupid trades where they clearly not getting value um, I, I think in terms of the trades they've done it's, it's been fantastic as well I think we've got steals completely agree and in just a moment I think we're going to be having our first guest coming on Graham are you there yes here I am fantastic thank you so much for coming on it's, it's great to see you again after a tumultuous 12 months how, how did you find the draft Ah, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I think uh, our GM is, is quite good at, at kind of moving things around a little. Um, traded out of the first round this year. Um, traded down about five or six spots and allegedly got the guy he was after. Um, a lot of wheeling and dealing going on. They then used the, the additional pick 
to trade back up again in the second round. Um, so, yeah, that overall, I mean, I, I, you could list our needs and uh, I think we probably covered every single one of them off. We needed defensive line. Um, we needed offensive line probably more than anything this year because we, we lost uh, Marpet and Kappa both. Ali Marpet um, retired. Aged, I think he's about 30, 31, something like that. He, he retired. Um which really caught them out. So we lost two starting uh, guards. Um, so definitely needed some help in there. Uh, we've got some good depth in there already. So one or two guys ready to step up. But defensive line, offensive line, running back, tight end, and cornerback and special teams were the, the, the needs. And we probably just covered off most, most of them. I think cornerback is only a need because at the end of this season, we have a couple of guys who are, starters who will be free agents and the likelihood is that they, they won't both re-sign so we're probably looking for someone for 2023 season and the guy we've picked a guy in the I think in the fourth or fifth round there who uh, Zion McCollum cornerback I'm not sure that you know yeah that's a bit of a risk if you're expecting him to, to step into into the first team but uh, I think overall it, it's, it's okay I mean you look at NFL.com and it gave us an A hmm I think when you take a punter, number one, three, three overall, I'm never quite sure about that. That's uh, um, what um, our punter who takes kickoffs, as most of them do these days, made a complete hash of it last game of the season there. I think he put two straight out of bounds against the Rams in the the, the NFC kind of playoff game. That was Ryan was, Suckup, wasn't it? I remember uh, no, that. No, Brad, well. Brad Pinion. Brad Pinion is oh. the punter who did that. Ah. Suckup was a, is a kicker. And you know, all, as good as, as as both had been the previous couple of years, I think the writing was on the wall, certainly for for opinion. Um, and to be honest with you, Sucker probably needs a good season this this year to to be kept on as well. I mean, a kicker and a punter's life is is precarious in the NFL. It doesn't take much for these guys in the uh, not so much the kicker. It's really high pressure, but. Uh, I mean, I thought they, you know, for a punter to kick kick a ball straight straight out of bounds or a kickoff. And then, then repeat it. Uh, that's oh, you know, you're really asking for trouble there. So I guess sometimes think it's a bit of a waste taking a kicker or a punter that high up in the draft. But we trust in our general manager. He's pulled off some incredible stunts in the draft over the last few years. We've, we've mm-hmm. got three or four starters still who came out of the third, fourth round. We'll not count um, our quarterback who came in about the fifth round or whatever it was, position one nine nine, Mister Brady. But uh, certainly a few of the, the, the cornerbacks and the linemen that we've got have come out of the lower rounds. He's done really well. So I think in Jason Light, we trust. I think we move forward on that basis. I think Zion McCullum is one of the most interesting players in this draft because he was a really late riser because he was a kind of um, a combine hero, yeah. wasn't he? He came out yeah. and tested off the charts, but extremely raw. Kind of reminds me of, of what we tried to take in, in Ifati Melifonwu last year, just rangy yeah. fast but needs needs well, coaching yeah i think i think you're right and last year we took um joe try on uh shoyinka he added the shoyinka bit midway through last season but joe try on um he came in with really no no play in the year but the final year of, of college he didn't really play and it was a bit of a risk but it was that kind of potential that they saw in him and and he backed up um, Jason Pierre-Paul mostly this year uh, 
he spotted, um, but showed some absolutely fantastic potential. I think he ended with four or five sacks. But as the season wore on, you could see him getting getting so close. You know, he was just just laying a hand on the quarterback just as the ball went away. So I think he he's that type of guy. Although we picked him in the first round last year, but uh, he's that that same type of guy that you, you're looking for the upside and possibly with with McCollum too. Um, I just feel always feel that that far down, it's always that little bit of a gamble. I mean, you, you made some interesting picks. I know that Ant had some some thoughts about Luke Gadecki because he, yeah. like you said, you traded up for him, but he yeah. is not the guy from Central Michigan that was expected to be the first tackle off the board, was he, Ant? That was meant to be Bernard Ryman. Oh, whoa, whoa! Graham's not met me before. Don't, 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 don't have him thinking that I'm slagging off the books draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> You could listen. There's plenty of Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans all over Twitter slagging off the the Bucks draft picks this year. There's a lot of people not very happy with it. Yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. yeah, I I had Godecker was a I think he was a fourth round pick on mm. mine, but I thought because but Central Michigan had two really good tackles this year. The Bernard Raymond, the big left tackle, Godecker, the right one. I actually wanted to draft Godecker here. I think he's going to be a really good offensive lineman at the next yeah. level. I think I, maybe. I think, I think what they see in him, I think they see a, a real attitude in him, and that's the type of guy they want up front. We've got uh, Ryan Jensen uh, in the middle of the, the offensive line who who is an absolute lunatic when he gets on that field. I mean, he's mad. He's in there mixing it up, causing absolute chaos. He, he, draws, he must have drawn about a penalty, at least one penalty in every game by winding up the players in the other team so much. It was just, <laughs> he's just got a tremendous attitude. And I think... Gadecki's that, that kind of guy as well. He's just, he's an absolute monster. I mean, just listening to him talking about it, I think he calls himself a glass eater or something like that. He just he just <laughs> wants to get in there. And, 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 what a and nickname. Hurt. Actually, literally, he said, I just want to get in there and hurt people, you know? Yeah. So, well, fair enough. No, he'll be real good. I call him Spider-Man because when he gets his hands on you, you, yeah. you, you can't get yeah. off him. He, he will not let you separate one bit. And of course, him and... Raymond, they're both converted tight ends. So yeah, you have yeah. the blocking experience there. You have the work on the line. So no, I do yeah. like him and I think he's going to be good there. And I know you also took um, our, our, our our own Ryan's favourite player, Rashad White, the running back. Um, really he, interested. By, yeah. by Ryan said from this podcast, he says he's the best pass catching back in this draft and it's not even close. So that's yeah. the kind of guy that you're getting with him there. He's, yeah, he's well, raving about that, him all year. That that's exactly the kind of guy that um, that, that Tom Brady needs and wants um, beside him. Um, we we Rod, Ronald Jones, who's now left, he he left in free agency. Um, was wasn't great catching passes in the backfield. Um, to be fair, um, Leonard Fournette has stepped up this year and has become a much better pass catcher at the backfield. But there definitely is a need for a third down back in there and I think a lot will depend on him the first few first few games first few times the ball's thrown his way if he makes things happen he could end up being the go-to guy all season he could be the guy you know but it's, it's really up to him how he how he develops and how he uh, you know, progresses through the the, the pre-season but yeah, I'm really I looking forward to seeing him after seeing some of the clips you know obviously I don't follow the, the college game as much as some of you guys do obviously but you know when the name comes up you've drafted him you go and start looking and some of his some of his plays have been incredible. Just slipping through the grasp of defenders, finding gaps where there doesn't appear to be any gap. He just looks incredible. He's, yeah, he's looks carried. Amazing. 
he's carried that Arizona State team a lot this year because their quarterback yeah. wasn't very good. So, you know, I, I think he's going to make your team pretty quickly, to be fair. I'd, I'd, I'd be excited to see him there. And as Matt said, you know, the Zion McCullum one, he's got so much potential. And you were saying there, you've got some guys out of contract next year. That probably fits your timeline. Obviously, you've got yeah, a lot of... perfect. Well, that, that's it. You've got a guy with potential. And if, if you've got a year to, to, to work with him and to, to pull that, bring that potential out of him, Probably the worst thing that could happen is if we have another run on injuries in the defensive backfield and he gets thrown in there before he's really ready for it. Um, that was really what happened in the first part of last season. We, we lost, we lost. I think we were first our top three or four defensive back backs were, were all out injured at the one time for, for an extended period. And we were just pulling guys in from everywhere. We even pulled in Richard Sherman. Um, just, just who, you know, who's there, who's available, bring them in. Um, I was going to volunteer loan services. I'm not really that that quick though. But um, the uh, yeah, that that that's a really interesting one. I'm interested to hear you say that about about McCollum, and that that maybe as you see does really fit our timeline for him if things go well this season. Well, he's, play, he's played a lot of games for Sam Houston. I think the only knock on him is the level that he plays at, because obviously it's the FCS, yeah. which is the division below. But mm-hmm. he's got a lot of experience at the level. And, you know, he's a bit raw. But, you know, we we wanted him from ours. Yeah. We, we said if we were going to go corner, we wanted Zion. We yeah. were going to take him in the third. So, yeah. I'd, I'd yeah, I think he's going to do really well. I think, like you say, maybe 12 months' time, if he develops yeah. well and you don't want to pay one of your corners or they're a bit older, bring well, him I, through. And it's it, a long-term it, success. Yeah, it becomes a salary cap issue for us, I think, as much as anything else. We won't be able to afford to keep them both. Um, that happened this year where we had to drop a couple of guys. Um, Jordan Whitehead would have loved to have kept, but but he's he's off to, the, I think he went to the Jets. Um, you know you just can't keep them all. You can't keep them all happy. There's a salary cap there. And we've been doing the the, the, the the trick that everyone's got with pushing money back, you know, so you lower your salary cap this year, but you take the hit in the next couple of years. And there's a lot of that dead cap money going to be floating about over the next couple of years. So we're just going to have to take a hit. We'll not be able to keep the two of them on. So that's maybe the, the, the time for, for McCollum to step in. That'll be really nice to see that. Yeah. I mean, oh, sorry, you haven't said much, Steve. You go ahead. Just going to ask, ask Graham. Obviously, you've kind of bossed the NFC South for a couple of seasons since Brady's um, returned. What would you make of the activity in the, the other teams in the NFC South during the draft? Because obviously, yeah. Saint, Saints did a lot of wheeling, dealing. They got Chris Olave, yeah. Trevor Penning. You, both the other two teams have taken quarterbacks in the second or third round. Yeah. What do you kind of make a make anything you're worried about? Anything that you're quite I pleased think- hasn't happened? I'm pleased that the Saints didn't take another quarterback, so they're stuck with Jameis Winston this year. Yes. <laughs> um, Unless they think, trade for Baker Mayfield. I'm not too bothered about that either, to be honest with you. We'll have we'll chase him up, up the street. Don't worry about that. Um I think I think they all got better. I think our division got better. Just looking at all looked at all the, the other three of them, and I think they all did improve. Um, but they, they, they were starting from a long way back. Um, and I think that we should still win this division this year. Last year was actually, believe it or not, we didn't win it. We didn't win the division the year we won the Super Bowl two years ago. Um, we came through the wild card that year. And last year's the first time we've won the NFC South for about 12 or 13 years or something like that. 
Um, but I think we must be favourites again this year. Thankfully, you know, Brady retiring and then unretiring, that helps. We're still sit- we're sitting on um, the Kyle Trask, the, the quarterback who we drafted last year out of Florida Gators. Um, and he's he never even suited up last season. And he came out the second round, and I think he's being groomed. And I think we'll see him step up as the backup to Brady this year. Although we have signed uh, Gabbert again, but um, not sure how it'll pan out. But I think Trask is is expected to step up now and be the backup. Um, and and I can only see Brady work another maybe this being his last season with us. And hopefully Trask is ready then to step up. But that's the kind of that was the position we found ourselves in last year when we were really drafting for depth. We weren't expecting these guys just to step in straight away. And it, to an extent, a lesser extent this year, it's the same. There's a little bit of depth in there, albeit we probably are going to need Gadecki to step in. We probably will need Logan Hall to get into the rotation in the defensive line, um, especially when you go through those dog days of summer in Tampa and it's 120 degrees in the stadium. You, you, you're not going to play your big defensive lineman every play you're going to rotate things and you're, you're going to expect a bit, a bit of help from the backups throughout the games so and, and Rashad White can't wait to see him really can't wait to see him get Brady to drop, a, drop back and chuck a pass out to him and see what he does um, so yeah interesting season ahead just had a comment on YouTube from Dominic Hodgkinson oh, don't Reed, listen to him you. don't listen to him he's an idiot <laughs> He's like, Graham Reed, Bucks UK legend, speaking sense as ever. So maybe he's a bit more complimentary than, than you were expecting. Um, he's on the vodka. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually had a question about Rashad White and about the other, a couple of other draft picks he had. So taking a running back, when you have Fournette, Keyshawn Vaughan and Giovanni Bernard on the roster, yeah, is he going to be slotting in at running back too? I mean... Bernard's one of those guys that I really, really like. He seems to perform every yeah. time he hits the field. Keyshawn Vaughn, too, seems to do really well. And Fournette's clearly your RB1 for me. So yeah. where's he fitting in there? Uh, good question. I, I, I'm, I'm quite high on Keyshawn Vaughn as well. I, I quite like him. We didn't see too much of him last season. But when he did come in, um, I felt he did really well. And I was actually, when, 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 uh, Jones, when Ronald Jones left, I kind of expected him to step up want to step up into that 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 spot at RB2 but I think White will come in as as the number two I think he'll be looking to come through training camp and if he does have a good training camp I think he'll step into that number two slot um but again you're only you're only an injury away from you know him being number one and Vaughn being number two I mean we know better than anyone about injuries last last season we were goodness gracious wide receivers (laughs) we were down to our our, well, Mike Evans played, I think, pretty much the whole of last season. But um, you were playing Rashad Pen- Perryman, who we cut, and we had the worst wide receiver yeah. call on the, in the NFL, and you were playing. Yeah, he was a, he was so. our number two. He was our number two guy. <laughs> but in the season, he really was. was and he scored a couple of touchdowns for you as well. He scored an absolute cr- uh, cracker of touchdown. That was uh, we were twenty-four three up on Buffalo or something at half time, and they came back and tied it at twenty-seven all. And we went to overtime, and Perryman caught a sixty-five-yard touchdown pass from um, from Brady. He actually he never caught him for us. No, <laughs> I caught a goal, did he? <laughs> he yeah. caught the ball. To be fair, I mean, he absolutely sprinted down the side. He outran the defensive back and took the ball in. And that was Brady's um, 
700th touchdown or something like that. Um, all time, including uh, playoffs. That was his 700th touchdown. And I don't know if you saw the story of when Mike Evans had chucked the ball away for the mm. 600th regular season touchdown. And uh, if you ever see that touchdown again, there's a, a guy who'd been tasked with, if Brady throws this touchdown, you have to get that ball. And Perriman went into the end zone and chucked the ball on the ground. And this wee guy ran over, jumped in the ball and ran off with it, just in case somebody kicked it into the crowd, because it cost the club <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars to, to get that ball back. Like the guy that had that ball from uh, that Evans gave away got an absolutely incredible package of of gear from the club. So yeah, but that was Brashad Perryman's top moment. Yeah, he did. He did, did pretty well. Did pretty well under the circumstances. But yeah, and you, you've taken two tight ends in this draft as well. So Kay yeah. Dalton, um with the fourth pick at one hundred six, but then also Cole Keefe at two eighteen, and you've already yeah. got Cameron Brake. But Brady and Gronk always seem to come as a pair, but Gronk hasn't re-signed. Taking two tight ends, do you think this means that Gronk might actually not be returning? No, I, I think I think Gronk is coming back. I think he'll be back. I think Brady will be number two and Orton will look to be number three. Play a lot of kind of at least two tight end sets. So again, Gronk was injured for about four or five games last season. So again, you're looking for depth there. Um, Cam Bray is an absolute favourite, fan favourite. He's he's been outstanding. He's taken actual pay cuts, not just restructuring. He's taken pay cuts to to, to help the the team with the uh, with the cap over the last few seasons. He's always done everything he's been asked to do. He's he's done nothing but catch passes and catch touchdowns and. And he's been absolutely outstanding. So he's you know glad to see him back for the second year. I think Gronk will resign. I think the feeling within the camp is that he will come back again next year. Um, and I think we miss him if he's not there. That's a big, mm. big miss. Uh, as good as Cam Brait is, when, when Gronkowski was out last season, there was a, he was unplayable. There was a noticeable drop-off, a real noticeable drop-off. Um, and, and as we went through the season, when Gronk was out, Godwin was out, um, Brown, well, you saw what happened with Antonio Brown. That madness, <laughs> you know. He was gone. So three or three kind of top really receivers were, were all gone at the one time. And there was a huge, enormous drop off in the in the passing game at that point. Um so really important, I think, to get Gronk back. And I think he'll come back this year for, for one more one more. Any, any observer of the NFL um knows exactly Gronk's MO now, which is to spend the entire <laughs> summer going, is he gonna retire? Is he not gonna retire? He just doesn't want to do any work in training camp over it's, the summer. And then exactly. like two weeks before the start of the season, he's like, I'm back. It's all, it's all on Twitter this week there. He was going to see him in some party. You know, there's some thing that's his or <laughs> he's organized some big party in some kiki bar, tiki bar somewhere in I don't know where it was, Gronk giving it large, you know. And was, oh, right, okay. So he'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. I'm sure he will. I mean, uh, coming into this draft, I with the books, the way they assembled their squad, obviously they got a lot of veterans in when Brady came there to go off and win the big one. And this draft, I sort of assumed that their modus operandi almost would be to start getting long-term successes in for some of these, you know, vet guys. And obviously Logan Hall's come in the defensive tackle, probably Endamakong Sue's long-term replacement, Rashad White coming in, Leonard Fournette's there, Kate Orton's come in, yeah. obviously Gronkowski. Do you, do you feel like that's what they've done there? You know, obviously they know that a lot of these guys don't have a lot left in the tank and yeah. the long-term future is now they need to invest in it. 
Yeah, I think so. I, I spot on. I mean, I think um, Sue, don't know if he'll be back or not. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul probably won't be. The fact that they've, they've assigned JPP's number 90 to Logan Hall would suggest that, that JPP's not coming back this year. Um, so we're looking for last year's Joe Tryon to, to, to step into the, the gap. So I think that will happen over a period of the next yeah, year or two. I think that's that's probably what every team tries to do, is to, to you know, bring your guys through and give them a year to, to, to settle in before they have to step up. So, yeah, I, I'm really, especially after talking to you this morning about uh, Rashad White, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Um, after watching his clips, he could, he could very well step up. Um, Leonard Fournette, I think, I think I'm right in saying is only on a one-year deal again this year. Um, and he'll eventually probably go and chase the money if he's a, another good season with us. Uh, so maybe maybe this is a good one for Rashad White, get a season, blow his belt, and maybe he's the guy for next season. We're slowly coming to the end of our time with you, Graeme, but talk to us about the last 12 months for Bucks UK, what's been happening, how's it been going? Yeah, eh, been going really well for us. Um, we have, we've kind of trying to get together more often in person, and we've had a couple of uh, watch parties where, uh, well, I think one in London and one in Leeds, neither of which I managed to get to, but were a roaring success, a drunken roaring success. Um, so we've been getting 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 together a little bit more like that. This year, I think numbers-wise, you know, taking into account all the family memberships and whatnot, we're around about 500 members. Um, we've got a game coming up in November in Munich, which the guys have all been on. We think it's the, the weekend, 11th, 12th, 13th November. So we've been kind of booking, pre-booking hotels for that and, and get starting to get ready for that. And it's been fantastic. We've got a really good relationship with, with, um, with the Buccaneers. Um, the COO, Brian Ford, has been brilliant with us. Anytime we're out there, you know, they take us around the facility and let's see what's happening and introduce us to, to players, coaches and the like. So we have an absolutely fantastic... And we'll, we'll have Zoom calls with them before games sometimes as well. Um, so... Yeah, we, we, we've had a fantastic year this year. Just just disappointed. Um, expectation probably for last year was was very high, having won the Super Bowl the year before and then brought the whole team back again for another run at it. But uh, um, reality bites, unfortunately, you can't win it every year. But uh, yeah, it's been an interesting 12 months and, and really looking forward to the next one. And uh, I, if I could say about Detroit as well, I think that's uh, the, the Lions are a team on the up on the, the upward curve. I've no doubt at all this is going to be a better year and maybe this season or the season after, I think uh, I think Detroit look like they could be a team that are challenging. I'd love to see them knocking Chicago and Green Bay off that perch in that division that I, I Are you hate, talking, Gwen? I hate them. I, no, I, I'm, I'm a veteran of the old uh, NFC Central, the black and blue division when Tampa Bay were stuck with that show. Well, and you guys, obviously. Um, <laughs> many memories of playing Detroit, and neither of us were very good teams, but you had Barry Sanders, and that was the difference between the two teams so often. But no, I have a deep, a deep hatred of Green Bay, Chicago. So I hope you guys can, can pull it off soon. I really do. Music to our ears, Graham. Uh, let us know where Bucks UK is, if you've got Bucks fans who haven't joined you guys. Yeah, well, you'll find us if you just look for Bucks UK. We're on, we're on um, Instagram, all the usual spots, we, YouTube channel. We do podcasts throughout the year, uh, weekly, during the season, and then kind of periodically yeah, throughout the close season. 
so you'll find us on the usual usual channels. Just look for Bucks UK dot uh, org. I think it is is the website. And uh, yeah, come and join us. Uh, we have good fun. We've got a lot of members, and we have good fun on the message board during the games as well. Fantastic. So so heads after that Munich trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that tells the story. It's not going to be pretty, I can assure you. We've, we've worked out that it's a 17-minute walk from our hotel to the Hofbrau House. So there you go. 17 minutes there and about a 40-minute crawl back. <laughs> have a great time. Have a good okay. 12 months. Hopefully we'll speak to you before then. But yeah, have a great trip. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Thanks for having Graham. me on, guys. Good to speak to you again. Yep. Take care. Thanks, Thanks, bye. Bye. Thanks, bye. All right, what a start to the day. Graham Reed, Bucks UK, and we'll be joined in about five minutes' time by the British Bird Gang, the Arizona Cardinals UK fan group. But yeah, I, I completely forget that the Bucks were in our division some 20 odd years ago. I think it's an important lesson for any guest. If you want to get, you know, plenty of uh, plenty of likes, just bring the hate of the Bears and the Packers and you know the public opinion will 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 rise with you. Absolutely. Right, let's have a quick look before our next guest comes on at the UDFAs that the Lions have brought in. And so that kicks off with uh, running back Greg Bell from San Diego State, tight end Derek Dees of San Jose State, worth $100,000 guaranteed. Tight end Nolan Given from Southeastern Louisiana, he's been given a $10,000 signing bonus. Wide receiver Corey Sutton from Appalachian State, wide receiver Khalil Pimpleton from Central Michigan, and wide receiver Josh Johnson from Tulsa, who was very highly regarded, I know. The offensive tackle of Bina Eze from TCU, he's been given a deal worth $170,000 guaranteed. Offensive lineman Zane Obeid, he's a bit of a rouse monster from Ferris State. The guard Kevin Jarvis from Michigan State, but that's unconfirmed at the moment, apparently. Defensive tackle Demetrius Taylor from Appalachian State. Cornerback Cedric Boswell from Miami of Ohio. And cornerback Jermaine Waller from Virginia Tech. That's all according to the UDFA tracker from Pride of Detroit. Couple of highlights there. And from from I know I know there was one in particular that you were looking forward to. Oh, yeah, I want to make these nuts jokes all season. So, you know, Derek Dees gets the team, then, you know, that, that'll be just pure gold Twitter content. But serious face on here. There are some, I think for me, I've already zeroed in on three of them who I reckon could make the roster if we're going to go out of these. So, see, you've got Khalil Pimpleton, the uh, Central Michigan receiver. Um, he is a Swiss Army knife of a wide receiver, gives you a huge special teams upside. Is a good receiver in his own right. Though he's uh, put up some good stats at that Central Michigan side, and just just the scheme versatility he can give you. He can, and I know our wide receiver room is is kind of stacked at the minutes, um, but you know, at a very minimum, I would expect him to be able to fight for a place on that practice squad and to be developed and to be brought up in the long term into this team. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Josh Johnson, that's also wide receiver. We. I had him, um, we, we asked a question by Ash on the college podcast earlier in the season about sleeper guys. Uh, Josh Johnson was one of my sleeper guys. He'd, uh, he'd just dropped uh, 160 yards and a tutter on uh, Ohio State at that point. You know, Tulsa 
compared to Ohio State, are quite a small team and nowhere near as much talent in there. And he had a field day against them. And, you know, Ohio State, they're just, they're just a secondary full of five-star recruits and NFL-level guys. So he had a day against them. He's had a really good season altogether. You know, he's, he's, he's deceptively quick. He runs routes extremely well. You know, his ball security is incredible. I, I, I really like him, and I, I, I think that he's got a good chance also of forcing his way, if anything, at least onto the practice squad. And again, I'd love to stash him and develop him and bring him up over long term. But Obinarize is the, the, uh, the one who I'm really intrigued in because it's not just because we've given him the guaranteed money, but obviously we need a backup tackle on this team you know, I don't want Willie Nelson here much longer, either of those two, wherever they are. So he's he's very raw. His technique needs a whole lot of work. In fact, it needs breaking down and building up from the foundation. And I know he's got a few sort of attitude issues as well. Nothing major, just little bits and bobs here and there. But what he does have um, is what you can't coach. And I know... Steve will laugh at this because he did some the other day, but the length he has is elite. You know, he, he, Steve, don't, don't, don't even try and make me laugh. But anyhow, his reach is huge. When it comes to fighting on the offensive and defensive line, the reach you have, the ability to be able to hit the guy first before he can hit you is a big thing. And he has a hell of a reach advantage over most people. You know, he is violent off the line. He is very good at getting leverage. He's very aggressive in the way he does things. You know, he's, He's got those intangibles that you can't teach. And quite, you know, in my opinion, Hank Fraley is outside of Green Bay, one of the best offensive line developers in the entire league because Green Bay just churn out offensive linemen like there's no one's business. But Hank Fraley does as well. I know, you know, a lot of the guys who've come in are high draft picks, but you still have to develop them and you still have to make them the best that they can be. And he does that. And we've seen he can do that with the depth as well. So I trust him to be able to get everything right with this guy. And if you can, if you can sort out the techniques, if you can sort out the little bits with him there, he's a starting caliber tackle in the NFL. And you're getting him in undrafted free agency. It's just you need to be patient with him. But given the lack of depth on our line, I would expect to see him on the roster come the start of next season as a backup tackle and to work his way in as and when we need him. A whole summer with Hank Fraley will do him a world of good. So those are the three I'm really looking forward to at this moment in time. I know a few of the others, but there's some who I need to do a lot of work on as well. But I think we've got some good guys in there. Tom said, I couldn't put it any better than Tom yesterday. It's all about great length and ball handling. Yeah, well, you know, offensive linemen don't need to worry about ball handling, do they? So... We have got our next guest on the show as well. Tom from British Bird Gang is in the house. Tom, how are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, can hear you loud and clear. How did you find the draft? Well, I mean, obviously the first round was a bit of a letdown, you know, state getting up until like 3am in the morning and then finding out you've traded your pick away for someone else. So it's like you didn't need to get up in the first place, but, you know, can't be too bad, mad with who we got in return for the pick. And then, obviously, the over two days, you know, we've picked up solid players. They should contribute. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the draft class we've got. I think that the trade was potentially, apart from our trade-up, the most shocking moment 
of well actually both Browns got dealt didn't they in the first round but trading a first round pick for Hollywood Brown I think it took a lot of people aback you're you're happy with the trade though yeah I mean obviously he's had the history with Kyler Murray in the past and we obviously were going into this draft looking for a wide receiver but obviously mm-hmm. when was it Jahan Dotson when he went to Washington yeah that seemed to be like our last choice like he was the only one we were linked to so it seemed like after he went we had to put another plan into place and obviously Marquise Hollywood Brown was that plan B. Makes absolute sense. And then the rest of the draft you ended up taking, well, I think everyone's tight end one in Trey McBride and a, a favourite of this podcast in Cameron Thomas. So you kind of ended up with day two guys and my Jai Sanders as well. Day two looking pretty strong, actually. Are you happy with those picks? Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect us to pick a tight end. Obviously, we're signing Zach Hurts to a three-year deal and also bringing back Max Williams. But it's like, you know, they're only they're getting on a bit. Max Williams is on a one-year deal. Hurts is on a three-year deal. So McBride, obviously, he's on a, he might not start week one, but he should contribute in his first year and going forward. But he's not someone I considered, obviously, with like who we already had at the position. So it was a bit of a surprise pick, but I'm happy with it after reading up about him, finding about more about him. Looking at wide receiver room, is this... So you brought back AJ Green. Um, you took Rondell Moore last year, and I know, obviously, that you, you let go of, of Christian Kirk, and maybe that's what Marquise Brown's coming in to replace, but it does feel like... You know, you still got Andy Isabella hanging around, although I, I imagine he's probably trade bait once again. But is this is this showing a lack of belief in Rondell Moore and what he can do? And Antoine Wesley as well. I don't think so. No, I think obviously we'll still have a place for Rondell Moore in the offense, along with Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. I think AJ Green might be the odd one out, really. You know, with his age, he's only on a one-year deal. He'll still contribute like he did last year, but I think obviously Kyler's like knows Hollywood Brown quite a bit, so I think he will get quite a bit, of, quite a few balls thrown his way. And with it being a deep threat, and Kyler Murray being one of the best deep throwers in the game, you know that should be a pretty good thing to watch coming in up this season. And. What did you make of last year? So, obviously, you started out with the, the hottest of hot streaks, winning your first seven games and eight of your first nine. But you really tailed off in a big way, including, um, I hope this doesn't hurt too much, but a, a loss against a Detroit team that had absolutely no business being there at all, which you know, we seem to be a bogey team of yours. Like, in difference, to, so I, I think coming in, it was kind of widely regarded that your coach was potentially on on a, a seat that could get warm with a bad start, and he kind of answered it in the strongest possible terms. But ran out of steam. What happened? Do you think? I think it was more like injuries catching up with us more than anything, because obviously we lost DeAndre Hopkins, and it's hard to replace a guy of that caliber on any team. Like anyone would struggle without him. Mm. And also we had like JJ Watt, he was out for a lot of the season. Chandler Jones didn't perform as well as he should have done. You know, it was just struggles all over the place. And I don't think you can really pin it just down to the coach or Kyler Murray. You know, it was multiple things that went wrong for us last season. Mm. And 
looking in the at the rest of the division, obviously you're in one of the more competitive divisions in football. And Seattle have obviously traded away their their franchise quarterback, but you've still got the the Super Bowl winning LA Rams, which you know comes at some pain to Lions fans as well as pleasure with Stafford getting over the line. Uh, and and San Francisco, a team that are looking like they're going to be hanging around like a bad smell. Um, what what do you make of how the division looks for this draft and and just how those teams are going to compete with you? Because your team is set up to win now, but but so is the Rams at least. And San Francisco look like they're loading up. Yeah, I think obviously with the Rams, they're the super winning Super Bowl champions, and they've just got stronger this off season. So it's like. They're clearly the top dogs in the division. Behind them, obviously, it's between us and San Francisco because I don't think Seattle will do much this year. Mm. Obviously, we drew Locke at quarterback now. And, you know, he made some questionable decisions in the draft. But, yeah, I think we can still, like, we have got a much tougher schedule this year, it looks like, on paper at least, with who we've got to play. But I think we can still fight for maybe second place in the division with the with the Niners and hopefully still make it to the playoffs again and do at least a bit better than last year. You kind of think that you're you're somewhat less less than than the Rams are at the moment. Yeah, well I mean like that's pretty obvious because like just looking at their team, they're stacked all over the place, aren't they? Like there's not really any holes on that team. And you know, they're well coached as much as it pains me to say. They're just like they obviously got to be like the favourites for the Super Bowl with good reason because like they've literally just got stronger in the off season. Well, we were playing a game yesterday that was it seemed very popular, which was called "Shit on Other People's Draft," and uh, we all picked out teams that had had a bad draft. I, I think I picked out the Commanders, but I I also think the Forty ers didn't have a great draft because they'd already given up. The, pick first round pick for Trey Lance so they were shorter picks and then like taking another running back with like their second pick seems crazy to me um and I know a lot of people weren't that keen on Drake Jackson the edge they, they took at 61 what 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 did you think of the 49ers draft because I know they've got quite poor grades from like NFL draft analysts yeah I mean they're another team that made a few questionable decisions like I mean, I didn't mind Drake Jackson. I was thinking he could have possibly been an option for Arizona, but obviously that wasn't the case. Um, yeah, I haven't paid too much attention to like, the other team's drafts at the moment. I was just seeing what the Cardinals did because, I mean, obviously the Rams, they were short on picks as well, but they like seemed to trade away their first-round picks every single year. I think they've got, is it 2026 before they have one? Yes. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. And yeah, it works for them because, you know, they're known commodities they're trading for, but the Cardinals have never been one to actually do that. I mean, did it this year, but that was obviously due to circumstances. But like, some, some, some team gave him a good quarterback last year. I can't remember who that was. What was that, sorry? So, some team gave them a, a really good quarterback last year in a trade. I can't remember who, who did that. I'm, I'm ashamed of you doing that, but you know, he's a good quarterback. I like him a lot, Matt Stafford. It's just a shame he's around now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys took a lot of like kind of seemingly good picks against the consensus board late. You're one of the few teams that really didn't do too many reaches against that. So, you know, even in the 200s, he took um, Keontae Ingram, 
Um, he was regarded as a player higher than, than where you took him from USC. Letitia Smith, the guard from Virginia Tech, he was meant to go a lot sooner than he did and went to you guys. Jesse Luketa, I saw a lot of outrage on Twitter that he hadn't gone before he did, and then you picked him up. And Marquise Hayes was one of the best players on the board for ages before you picked him from Oklahoma. So are you pleased with, with what you did yesterday? Because it looks like you had a really good day. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have any idea really who some of the guys are. I mean, we drafted a quarterback from, I can't remember what the name of the school was, but it didn't sound real. Uh, Valdosta State. Chris Matthew, yeah. I didn't have him on my board at all. Well, I mean, I went on the NFL.com draft profile and it was completely empty for him, which says (laughs) a lot. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if if that's a Division II team or something, because I've never heard of it. Have you heard of them, Anne? No. No. I mean, I've not heard of it. No, it it is a fake school. Yeah, our, our college football podcast definitely goes so far. I th- think they're yeah. F- FCS, and we don't do we don't do too much FCS, apart from when the playoffs are on. Any more questions for our Cardinals guest boys? Not a question, but I just want to say how great their day two was. Uh, Trey McBride, I would fully expect him to be a starter there very quickly. Um, he's he's the best he's the best tight end in this draft by a long way. Receiving, blocking, aggressive. Love him. I really wanted him here. And then Cameron Thomas will be a starter very quickly there as well. You play him anywhere from the three tech to the nine tech. Preferably like him at nine, coming right in off the edge. The Mountain West creates some tough SOBs and he's they're gonna love him very quickly there. So, you know, that 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 was one of the better day two drafts, despite there only been a couple of picks in there. Oh my eye Sanders was bad, but I'll forgive him that. Cameron Thomas is he's better than He's worth two of him. There we go. Tom, any any thoughts on the draft overall? I mean, I'm obviously happy it's over. You know, we can now look forward to mini camp, off season, playoffs, and then the actual football returning. Even though it's a while away just yet. Yeah, it's a long off season. Talk to us about the British Bird Gang and how the last twelve months have been for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's been a strong off, like strong year for us again. You know, we just continually grow. Like, I mean, more followers on Twitter, more interaction. Just keep finding more fans as we go along. So, yeah, just keep growing as we do. Fantastic stuff. I think we're coming to the end of our time. So let us know um, where to find you. Okay, we can be found on Twitter at British Bird Gang. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang. And you can also find our podcast on any good podcasting platform, the British Bird Gang Breakdown. We've got one of those post-draft ones to do for that, so looking forward to that. Fantastic. Good stuff. I Just thank you for your time, Tom, coming on and, and talking to us about your draft. Really, really appreciate it, and hopefully you, ha- you have a great year, and we'll speak to you, if not... Uh, I'm not sure if we're playing you this year. We seem to play you every year, but maybe I not. We are. I don't I think we are for the first time in a while, so Maybe we'll talk to you in, in another 12 months' time, Tom. Yeah, that's no problem. It's a shame I'm not playing you because I'd like to get that win back from last year. But <laughs> The win and the tie and the win. and Yeah, yeah. But anyway, maybe, maybe it's best for you guys that we're not playing you this year. <laughs> but anyway, have a good year and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Cheers, Tom. All right. Good stuff. 15 minutes' time and we'll have friends of the pod 
Ryan Dengel from the uh, Bears Breakdown US podcast. Um, so let's do the little bit of trivia that I had planned because I do I do think this is quite fun, um, if I do say so myself. So like yesterday, I've broken down now all, all of the draft picks. I've taken them against the consensus board that I built. The consensus board is built from Dane Brugler from The Athletic, The Draft Network, Pro Football Network, and Pro Football Focus. So there are no crazy ones. at Tankathon as well as in there too. So no, no people who are going to go too crazy, too left field on this. Chris Sims's board isn't on here. Yeah, so all competent people were on here. Um, and I've ranked where they have picked players against where they were actually taken. The difference is accumulated. And there we have it. I have 573 players ranked. And so if they took a player not in the top 573 players, they got a score of 574 as a kind of nominal best case scenario for that player. In the entirety of the NFL, in the entirety of a draft class, there were only two teams to have a draft class where they gained pick value. Effectively, there were at least one or two picks maybe late on, which were deemed massive reaches, which really kind of tore people down. Can you guys name the two teams that had a gained picks draft in terms of drafting good players across the board, including day three, which obviously can trip people up? The Ravens. Because, you know, I'm, I'm looking here. Tyler Bardi, 196. That's not bad for him. Demarion Williams may have been the only stretch, but Isaiah Lightly at 139, that's not going to be a stretch, although maybe the punter might ruin theirs. But I think everything bar the punter, it's either good value or they got above value for it. So is it the punter that ruins it? It is the punter kicker that ruins it. He was 379 on the board. They lose 249 places for that, which means that they've lost 182 places overall. Without him, it would be good. Uh, Demarion Williams is also a bit of a reach as well, but there we go. So Baltimore, not one of the teams I'm looking for. Um, what about the Chiefs? Where are the Chiefs? Got to find them first. Um, AFC West. Chiefs lost 154 places, mainly due to their final pick, Nazay Johnson, who was not on the board, picked at 259, lost in 315 places. I'm going to be honest here, without a board, we're just going to be guessing 32 teams because it's very difficult to remember every single pick and where they go roughly on our board. <laughs> we, we are literally just guessing here. The only other one I was going to think was the Jets. No, because the Jets reached a big time on day two. NFC East. No, Jets, AFC East. Um, where are we? Jets, Jets, Jets. 94 places lost. They reached for Max Mitchell and Michael Clemens late. That was 74 and 40 places overall. So all in all, they were very close to being valued. The two teams that picked the best, the first one I think you could get, which is Carolina. Um, they picked uh, Iki Aquanu, gained four places. Matt Crow gained 51 places. Brandon Smith gained 21 places. Amari Barno, 34 places. 
and Kalon Barnes gained 63 places. The only slight breach apparently that they have was Cade Mays. But overall, they consistently took players later than they were predicted to go. One more team, which is unfortunate, which is Green Bay. Green Bay, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, Sean Ryan, Romeo Dubs, Zach Tom, Kingsley Anagbe, um, Tariq Carpenter, Jonathan Ford, Rashid Walker, and Samori Torre. The biggest value player they took was Rashid Walker late, 155 places gained on that pick. He was meant to go at 94, taking 249. Biggest reach they had was Jonathan Ford, 115 places lost, but overall they gained 52 places. Other teams also got pretty close. So Seattle only lost 37 places in their draft, but the Rams lost 956 places because their last three picks were massive reaches, but also their first two were also big reaches as well. Uh, New England, the other ones, the biggest losers by this metric. New England lost 929 places by consistently reaching on almost every single pick. So there you go. It's a bit, it's a bit nuts. If I do say so myself. Patriots transfer was just crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was. Any information you guys want from this? Now I've got it here. Maybe I can share it. I don't know. Give a breakdown of the rest of the NFC North. NFC North. Okay, so Chicago's class was Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, Velas Jones, Braxton Jones, Dominique Robinson, Zach Thomas, Treston Ebner, Doug Kramer, Jatiah Carter, Elijah Hicks, and Trenton Gill. The last two were... Well, actually, the last five or six are apparently reaches, the last two big reaches lost 620 places but by the end of day two they had gained a couple of places and it's just they reached a little bit consistently in day three um, horrible draft it's not a good draft for me Minnesota, I, know, I, know, I know ryan will disagree but it is a horrible draft outside of brisker and and, and maybe velas because i am more high on velas than others but you know, the, the center's bloody awful. Um, it's, an, it's an entire draft for me, which is boom or bust. If they work out, it could be great. But I think there's a high likelihood that they all bust. Like, there's no high ceiling guys there. I don't even think Brisker is a potentially high ceiling guy. Uh, sorry, high floor guy. No, he is. Brisker will be out of a safety for a long time, which is a pain. But, um, yeah, rest yeah. of them. Poor as fuck. Minnesota, their class was Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, Ed Ingram, Brian Asamoa, a Caleb Evans, Easy Otomuelo, Ty Chandler, Vidarian Lowe, Jalen Naylor, and Nick Muse. They lost 210 places with just a kind of few, few reaches consistently, but everyone seemed to be kind of there or thereabouts. There were no like outlandish picks. But Overall, as a draft class, that doesn't worry me either. Seeing Booth and Asamoa are good pickups, but are any of them moving the needle? Like, that hasn't fundamentally changed how good the Vikings are. They, they do need support in the secondary because Harrison Smith has been a bit kind of overwhelmed and needs help because he's just not got much around him at safety um, in, in the backfield. So I think getting... 
Briscoe and Smith are going to be a really good combo. I mean, you know, see, scene's good. We like scene, but we got Jameson Williams, and Jameson Williams wrecked that Georgia secondary when they played during the season. I know they didn't during the playoffs, but I believe Jameson was injured by that point and wasn't playing, which was a big difference between the two teams. Whereas in previous years, I'd be worried about opposition secondaries because of our receiving group. I'm now quite high on our receivers. I think our receivers can go toe-to-toe with these guys and win. So, you know, Cena is a good pickup. I like the receivers we've got, and I think we can we can deal with it. Um, I'm a bit upset that Ty Chandler has gone there. We ridiculed him a lot on the College Football Podcast to start the season because he, he did nothing. Sam Howell had no running game, no offensive line, and no receivers, and was getting absolutely killed. But Chandler, the second half of the season, sort of even more than that, probably the last three quarters of the season, was a monster, an absolute monster. Uh, he's a very tough runner. You know, he gets a lot of yards after contact. You know, he's very hard to bring down. I'm, I don't like him being there behind Dalvin Cook. That's given their running back room a little bit more depth. So our defensive line's going to need to hold firm against those two. So I, I can see that sneakily been a good pick. But outside of that, not a lot worries me. Any other questions about any of the other draft passes? Because I can just run them all off. What does it say about the Packers then? The Packers had a really good one. We, we, we have to acknowledge that now, whether we like it or not. The Packers have increased the gulf in the NFC North here. Yeah. You know, they, they finally given Genny Clark a running mate, which was the big thing they needed. Their receiver class, I absolutely hate. You know, they've taken Christian Watson, Romeo Daubs, and Samori Torre. Samori Torre is a really good receiver, and the value they've got for him there is insane, whether the draft boards say so or not. You know, he's carried that Nebraska offense the last few years. And you've seen in the offseason during some of the bowl games, the uh, all-star games, just how good he is. And they've now got some wicked depth of receiver, like we do. Uh, but if they hit on even just one of those guys, then we're in, we're in a bit of bother. Then I've seen they've got offensive line. They've got a lot of offensive line, haven't they? They took Zach Tom. They took Sean Ryan. Did they take Sean Ryan? They talk Sean Ryan, Ryan, Zach Tom, and Rashid Walker. Yeah. um, Christ, on a bike. Yeah, so those... The way they develop tackles, that is worrying. Because, I mean, they've they've got Bakhtiari and Nyman there at the minute, and Nyman had a hell of a season. So, I actually... It actually confuses me they've gone three tackles, whether it's just a kind of, you're right, you three, you're going to battle it out and, you know... There can only be one type thing, Highlander situation, except not cutting each other's heads off, just you know, beating each other in practice. Whether it's just going to be that to improve competition, whether they're going to kick one of them inside or not. I mean, Sean Ryan, I'd keep him as a tackle. Zach Tom, maybe I'd kick inside. Um, I know that Zach Tom was projected as a guard by quite a lot of people, even though when we talked, we, you said that he was still a tackle. So. I said he's still a tackle, but they, they may... That's the only reason I can think they might have gone three tackles. They might kick him in, but, you know, they're not exactly struggling at guard. You know, Josh Myers will be in his second year. They've got Elton Jenkins back. They've got Bakhtiari back. These are all high-level starters, really high-level starters, and it's just... I, I, I worry 
really about this. You know, Aiden's really going to need to be good this year because that offensive line is going to be, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be protected by a force field again. And I don't, I don't like it. They, they took a running back as well, didn't they? Who was the running back they took? Uh, they did take a running back. They, oh no, how no, they didn't take a running back. Did oh, they? did they not? Uh, oh, no, they so they had Jonathan Ford, the DT, so they've double dipped to TT. They've got safety Tariq Carpenter, they've got uh Kingsley and Agbear. The edge oh, that's player. the one I didn't like, yeah. And, but I mean, it, they got him at 179, so no, I mean, I like it. I don't like oh. the pick, I don't like the fact that the Packers have made that pick, and especially at that value. Enig Barre could have been a, a, a round two pick, not, not all the way back at 170, whatever it was. It was. Mm. You know, he is again just a guy who needs a little bit of technical refinement, but he, he's got like the ceiling of a high day two pick, a very yeah. high day two pick. And yeah, Gutekunst has has worked this draft business out very, very, very well. And mm. I'm really worried about the Packers next year. The Bears, I'm not. If I, I'm, I'm still, if we finish below the Bears, I'm going to cry. If we finish below the Bears, I'm going to lose faith in Brad Holmes because they're a bad team this year and we cannot afford to finish below them. We have to start winning games and getting ourselves off the basement of this division. And even the Vikings. The Vikings, I, I, would, I would like us to be competitive against this year. I would like us... I, I don't want them to finish too far in front. I don't think the bridge is that big, especially after this draft. If, we, if our picks land in this draft, I, I think, you know, the gap isn't isn't huge and if we beat remember, them last year i got two things to say here first is a really kind of easily easy just like kind of hit the ball out of the park moment super siren lions asks from jameson williams and christian watson who has a better season oh jameson williams does yeah it's not it's not a question like christian watson's drop rate and his he's raw he, he drops the ball a lot. He's not a refined route runner. He's got a vertical route tree only, so defend him deep and you've got no problems. Like, the guy ain't DK Metcalf. Sorry. But, but remember who's throwing to both those guys. Whether yeah. you like it or not, Aaron Rodgers is a hell of a lot better a quarterback than Jared Goff. This is a guy who made Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling look good and got him a big money move to KC. And he's just a speed merchant who's got nothing to his arsenal bar speed. Yeah. He's made Alan Lazard into a high-level wide receiver too, when as most of the teams, he probably wouldn't be a three or a four. This is a guy who elevates people far beyond their capabilities just because of how he throws them. They don't need to be the best receiver in the world. They don't need to get the best separation. They don't need to have the elite speed and you know the great route running and stuff like that. He will find them whether yeah. you like it or not. So that's the great leveler here. But that's that's at, true. But Jameson but, Williams himself is the better receiver. But again, playing field is leveled because of yeah. the throwing at them. So he oh, mentioned says, Yeah. <laughs> he just quickly on the end of this, he says that Adams was also raw when he came into the league and look how he turned out. But on that point, Jeff Risden on the Detroit Lions podcast very recently pointed out that after the first two years in the league, they wanted Adams out of Green Bay because he was awful. And he only came in year three, year four as a really good player and then the best wide receiver in the league. So Christian Watson could well be Adams, but it might take him three years. And on Minnesota, I just wanted to say, I said to you guys at the start of last year, 
that that team is sneaky bad and they are going to be awful last year. And they were awful last year. And none of those picks are moving the needle. I mean, Minnesota are awful this year. I'm going out on a limb saying that they could be fourth in the division this year. And with that, we're going to bring on friend of the podcast, Ryan Dangle. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys this morning or this afternoon for you, right? I don't know where we're at. Still this morning, just about, just about. Yeah. So it's great to see you guys. No, yeah, great to see you as well. You you have been through some upheaval in this offseason personally with the podcast. So tell us what's happened. Uh, so, you know what, the, the Bear Down Report, the, the, the founder, Mike Page, um, as, as you know, this is a lot of work. Um, and try doing all of that with a little one and a job and all those other things. And Mike just kind of needed to t- take a step back a little bit from, from all the things that are going on. And the guys at the pod, we just, you know, we really felt like we were building something and building some momentum. And, you know, we just decided, hey, like, we would like to keep doing this and just maybe uh, our own avenue. And uh, Mike kind of gave us the full blessing and said, go for it. And so we've started the Bear Down Chicago podcast. um, And we're we're just, we're thrilled about it. And honestly, guys, I mean mean this sincerely as you are one of our first shout outs, because I know while we we cheer for very different teams, uh, it's, it's been great going back and forth and you know i I appreciate the banter and and uh some of our conversations early on last year so thank you no 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 not at all it's it's great to support the venture and you know we're we're big fans of you guys generally so that's really great let's talk about the draft for chicago because i think it's going to be one that splits opinion what did you (laughs) what did you make of it uh, let's just say there were a lot of expletives, uh, in the first, uh, first couple picks there. Um, you know, the thing is when I look at Kyler Gordon, I think that was one that, that a lot of bears fans would say at the cornerback out, out of Washington, you know, that they would sit as, as the first pick, they would look at it and go, Hey, cornerback is a position in need. Here's a really good cornerback. Now, you know, this isn't going to translate, but the fact that he didn't give up a touchdown in 722 snaps. Like I understand that's not going to, that's not going to stand in the NFL, but that's impressive, right? Like no matter how you look at it, that's impressive. And it cornerback was a position in need. No issues with that. When they drafted Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Penn state, who may be an absolute stud. That's when bears fans lost their minds. Uh, really? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Well, here's the thing. He, again, you know, this is safety is also a position in need and he is a stud that I like I, everything I read about him. I'm, you know, I love his versatility. I mean, even if he doesn't start, he's a, he's an ace special teamer, all those things I like, but he doesn't play right guard. He, he, he can't catch a football, you know what? And, and, and those are things that, that bears fans were just, we have Justin Fields and the hope is that he is the guy and, you know, most of us wanted someone surrounding him uh, to, to kind of help him out, which, you know, I can't be too mad because Ryan Poles ended up with 11 draft picks and, you know, a ridiculous amount of offensive linemen from that pick. But, you know, personally, guys, you know, and this is this is where we're definitely split. And some of the Bears fans right now are going to be as soon as they see this, they're going to roast me. But I don't want backup offensive lineman I, I want a starter um and i just i didn't see it you know uh so we'll, we'll see what happens here that's about to say are you worried about 
like the lack of help they're giving Justin Fields. I mean, obviously, you know, you're built on your defense, aren't you? You have had wonderful defenses over the last few years. You've lost a lot of your senior guys there. I think I can see what they're doing. They're trying to rebuild that again first. But like you say, you've got your young quarterback there. He got hit a lot last year. You could get hit a lot again this year. Are you worried about how little support they're giving him? Yes. I'm, I, I, you know, the, the, if you saw the text chain, Anthony, the, the text chain amongst the, the Bear Down Chicago podcast guys, I mean, we're, we're not fighting, but you know how it is. We, we strongly disagree in this. You know, I, I think most of us know that the Bears are not going to be a very competitive team in 2022. Uh, you know, the hope is for 2023. You guys know about the rebuild, right? Like you, you, you've been there before and, you know, Dan Campbell definitely has you guys headed in the right direction. Um, I, you know, I don't think they hired the right coach. I think I've been on, on, on record as saying that um, I, I don't understand, you know, if the development of this team moving forward is about Justin Fields, I don't think they've done enough to, to help him. Now, I'm not saying that they needed to go out and, and sign Christian Kirk to a ridiculous contract or something like that, uh, but they needed to do more to get him help and they didn't do it. And I just, if everything about this team is the development of Justin Fields right now, I'm not happy with where things are. Could they take a turn? I sincerely hope that they do, but as of right now, yeah, I'm not, I'm not happy about it. I need to make a confession, Ryan. Um, so obviously it's a long night, you know, we're, we're staying up late into the early hours. There's big gaps between picks. You know, and there's times when morale goes up and down. But at one point in the middle of the night, when maybe morale was at its lowest, I read aloud from the Chicago Bears wide receiver room depth chart, and it really picked up the mood in the pod. We it, it really kind of gave us that that extra energy, and we kind of kicked on after that. So, I'm on St. Brown. Am I getting that right for you guys? Absolute stud, you know, because I think last year that was the joke that we were making is, you know, who's Jared Goff going to throw to? And it looks like he he found someone. I mean, and then of course you guys uh, got Jamison Williams, which. Again, I, I can't applaud your guys' draft enough, you know, to get to get Hutch, um, you know, I, what, what were the Jaguars doing? Like, I don't understand <laughs> that. Um, but but no, you know, so, Steve, your concern is very much my concern. Um, and then to to have one of our, our best wide receivers get arrested for, you know, I mean, it's all alleged at this point, but uh, driving recklessly with a child in the car. I mean, like, that's just, it's just not a good look for it. Um, Aquinas Saint, um, man, uh, too many, too many saints uh, out there, but uh, our new receiver from, from the Packers. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, he's going to be great. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. You know, we have Darnell Mooney and Darnell Mooney is a very good player, um, a thousand yard receiver from last season. Um, and I think he is, you know, I think he could do a lot, um, but he needs some help and I don't see it. Uh, and I'm really, I'm, I'm really concerned about uh, the development of Justin Fields. Uh, obviously you guys know uh, quarterbacks are not Chicago's uh, forte. And, uh, you know, if we have the kid, which we hope that we do, um, I, I just I haven't seen enough to surround him just yet. What did the Bears make of the Vellis Jones pick? I mean, because obviously that, that's the first, the one receiver. Darnell Mooney's kind of just, you know, is it, effectively he's a wide receiver two, playing wide receiver one and three at the moment. Kind of, what, what, were they happy with the Vellis Jones pick or 
were they pissed off that say like it's in the Packers move up and get Christian Watson at 34? You know, I think that it's very much the, the Debo effect, you know, it's, he's the, his versatility uh, as a kick returner, punt returner. Um, he, he's an athlete. He's very raw. I mean, Tennessee's offense is, is not a pass heavy offense, um, but they love the upside of him. And especially in that kick returner role, um, I think there's a lot of room for him to kind of grow uh, and develop. I don't love the fact that he's 25. Some of my, again, I'm going to get roasted for this. And you know what? It is what it is. Uh, you know, other, other Bears fans have said, who cares? If he's a good player, it doesn't matter how old he is. But I do think that kind of stinks that he's a little bit older and he's raw. Um, but I do think, you know, speed is of the utmost importance. Uh, he's a fairly decent size receiver. You know, he's not a giant guy, but, you know, at six foot, he can make some of those catches. He's got some good speed to him. And who knows? Who knows what, what they're going to do? You know, I, 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 with Luke Getzey's offense coming in, you know, it's this, you know, stealing from the Packers. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to have, and I don't know what they're going to develop. But I do know is that they asked Justin Fields, you know, they gave him, they gave him a ton of receivers and they said, Hey, of these ones that we really like, who are some of the ones that you really like? And apparently they all matched on this guy. And so we'll wait and see. You said that you took a lot of, of offensive linemen and I'm just looking down your depth chart and I'm seeing something like a tackle four and a five, a guard three and a center two. Like you say, it's not really investing in that starter level quality. Do you think that you've got the coaching at that offensive line area where maybe you can develop these guys into starters or has that not really been shown over the last few years? What, what's your expectations for some of these guys later on? Well, Matthew, the hardest part is that Matt Nagy ruined this, this, you know, our, our window into, do we have good players or don't we? Um, his, his ineptitude in terms of calling plays and being an offensive guru. Um, I don't understand how he was still employed last year by the Chicago bears. He, he should have been fired the year before. Um, and so it's so difficult for us to kind of tell what do we have? Uh, some of the schemes, a, a lot of us really wanted to see the bears have a much more run heavy offense. Matt Nagy loved to abandon the run whenever possible. And, you know, and so as I'm looking at these guys, so Zach Thomas out of San Diego, state i'm looking at braxton jones out of southern utah one of the things that you kind of see is hey, they need a little help in the past development but they're excellent run blockers uh, and so it does maybe kind of think okay well we've got some pretty good running backs here in chicago uh, if we give that kind of run first offense a little bit of play action giving justin fields a little bit of an opportunity that gives me a little sense of hope but the fact that they all need to kind of develop as as pass blockers it makes me nervous, you know, again, with a quarterback who coughed up the ball 22 times last season, Justin Fields sh showed some amazing accuracy, some un unbelievable throws, but also some just moments where you just said, dude, what, like you're trying to do too much. Please stop doing that. Please stop turning the ball over. You can't ask him to stop being who he is. So that's who he was at Ohio state, right? Yeah. He's an amazing athlete. He's got an incredible arm, you know, and, and hopefully he can develop into something. You know, I, I want to see what Luke Getzey can do with him. I, I want to see what happens. I mean, do you still wonder what the end game is with them? Yeah, I mean, like your offensive line, you let James Daniels go. And he was one of the good guys on there. And I mean, you guys have, what, 100 million in free cap next year? And you think, does it make you wonder, like, well, we've got the money to have re-signed him and got him here. And then we've not really gone and invested in the line there. Does, does it sort of concern you that that's? happened really there and you're wondering what the end game is with it all 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, Bears, uh, Bear, the Bears universe right now, the Bears, you know, faithful, we're very split on this. But for me personally, yes, very, very much. I'm very concerned about it. Um, I, I think that everything is is about development of Justin Fields. And right now they just, they don't have the, the bits and pieces in place to, to help develop him. Um, you know, but a lot of, a lot of my, my friends in, in, in Bears universe are, are saying, well, just, just kind of relax because now you have a competent offensive coordinator. Um, you don't have Matt Nagy and, and who knows, you know, like you, you play more to the strengths of your players. So we'll kind of see what happens. As far as James Daniels goes, I think uh, there was a moment last season when Justin Fields was hit late out of bounds and uh, James Daniels was nowhere to be found. Uh, and uh, Tevin Jenkins, who was one of our early picks last season, uh, was right there in the middle and, and, you know, pushing players and stuff. And I think Ryan Poles wants a little bit of that mentality of you better back up your quarterback. Um, and James Daniels is a good player and I would have loved to see him resign, but I don't know that he's part of their long-term plans. And so you know, good luck to him in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think, you know, did everything right when he was here and I, I wish him the best of luck. I saw some, uh, I mean, I'm just interested in, in terms of, um, you just commented about your new, co- obviously I know that from talking to you that Nagy was, <laughs> was a constant irritant to Bears fans and you must have been so glad to see the back of him, just like we were with Patricia, but I'm kind of quite surprised that you said that the fan base aren't sold on Matt Eberflus. T- tell me a bit about cause Eberflus, because I don't really know much about him. Well, l- let me say this, Steve, that that I have the unpopular opinion that that I don't like Matt Eberflus. I don't, let, let me rephrase that. I don't want to say I don't like him because I don't know him. I don't know what he's going to be like as a coach. Um, and I know he comes incredibly well touted from, from a lot of people out there that he's a, he's a really smart defensive mind. I just know the team that I love with all of my heart uh, hires the wrong people, you know, uh, Mark Tressman and, and Matt Nagy. And I, I am so, ho- I want to be hopeful, but I also understand that, 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 that we've continually hired the wrong people, you know, since Lovey Smith, you know, and Lovey Smith couldn't get a, a good offensive coordinator, you know, he makes it to a Super Bowl in 2006, but just can never get that offensive coordinator position. Right. And since then, we've had some bad, bad football coaches in, and Matt Nagy being one of them. So I don't necessarily think there are a lot of Bears fans that are down on Matt Eberflus. I just think it's either they're really, really, really high on him, which I don't understand quite yet. He hasn't done anything yet. Or, or they're like me, where it's just like, hey, let's let's give it a more of a wait and see approach. Does that make sense? Is it, is is it, it like long-term he's... skepticism? Because of like the, obviously we have the same. We, we have a lot of long-term skepticism <laughs> regarding some things because history says it's just going to yes. repeat itself. Is, is that more? A hundred percent. Well, and think about this too. Like, you know, when, when, um, you know, a coach comes out and says some really great things in a press conference, you know, people are like, oh, I really like him now. Like I'm trying so hard to like kind of pump the brakes with that because I didn't like the Matt Nagy hire initially, but then I watched his press conference. I saw that that his first season with 2018 and I thought, oh my gosh, I was wrong. This is the guy. And, you know, when Vic Fangio leaves, this team just, it tanks. And so, you know, I'm trying to be much more cautious about it, which I know you guys understand, you know, um, 
I, I want, I want to put my heart out there. I want to get hurt again, but you know, it's, uh, it's not easy to do guys. No. Yeah. So no, we've, yeah. And um, as I say, so I know we've, we've needled you a little bit there with some of the <laughs> offensive line stuff and that, but I know you're at the start of a rebuild. It's a long way. Obviously we, we were this position 12 months ago, but we, we had sort of the shoots of optimism on the horizon after last year's draft, you know, we invested in the trenches. We were looking forward to seeing that part of our game dominate and develop. So I was just wondering, what what parts of the team are you like really high on? Like what what's promising? What are you looking forward to seeing this year as part of this team? So obviously, like you said, it might be a bit rough, but there's always a place where you start from and that you're looking forward to seeing. I am really hopeful about our run game. You know, David Montgomery, I think, is is a really good player. I don't think he's he's the best running back in the league, but I think he shined in Matt Nagy's atrocious, terrible offense. And given the opportunity with uh, Luke Getze, who I think has a greater commitment to the run, uh, it seems like that's the tree that he's coming from. Uh, I, I'm really hopeful that, that that could be the case. And, you know, if you can play good defense and you can run the football, it's boring. I'm sick of it. I, I, I want a high flying offense, um, but it's just, I live in Chicago, so that's not going to happen. Um, but uh, you know, if, if we can do those things and we do have a supposedly lighter schedule, a, an easier schedule um, who knows, who knows what could happen, but yeah, I think that, that's, that's kind of the big thing is, is kind of seeing, seeing what will happen there. I do think Matt Eberflus is a good defensive coordinator um, I do think it will take a little bit of time to transition from that three, four to four, three. I it's, it's not nearly what it was maybe 10 years ago. Um, but I think a lot of these defensive players are pretty excited about playing for him. So if we could play again, play good defense, run the football, who knows? Got a really interesting question in the chat from Michael Lucci's who says, first of all, my wife was a Bears fan and I had to convert her over time, but I know a bit about her. <laughs> um, he says, are you concerned with the approach to trying to retool the team versus trying to do a full tear down and rebuild? It feels like you're headed towards being average and not being able to move from there. That sort of eight and eight sort of, I know you can't do eight and eight anymore, <laughs> but the kind of that's yeah. where you're kind of maybe heading towards where you, you're, you're going to be good enough to do okay, but never bad enough to flip the field and do really well, if you know what I mean. Well, I think that's kind of where we've been. Uh, you know, we, we've been eight and eight, eight and nine, where whatever it is uh, this last season, I think uh, obviously wasn't the case, but um, they've been kind of stuck in mediocrity. Uh, I do think that this, while the Bears front office, Ryan Poles, the, the new general manager is not going to say this, that we're in a rebuild, but we are, you know, trading away Khalil Mack, I think was one of the biggest signs that, hey, we understand we're not in a win now mentality. What can we accumulate from that? Getting a second round pick was really big. Mm. Um, and so, again, I, th I think if you ask just about any Bears fan, except for a, a few that are really optimistic, which I don't understand, but um, I think most of us know that, that the, the 22, 2022 season isn't going to be great. And it's the insane cap number that's going to be coming around in 2023 the bears will be able to spend big time so i think it's it's i, I hope i'm answering the question um yeah, yeah, but yeah. i but but i think that uh the rebuild is 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 happening and we are we're, we're totally okay with it as long as like people like myself and i think there are a lot of us out there 
that Justin Fields' development is at the forefront, right? It's just everything that we can do to help him as much as possible. Do you do you worry about that next year? Because obviously I see a lot of Bears fans say obviously 2022 is a write-off, but 2023, we've got this 100 million coming to us. We're going to be able to spend. We're going to be able to fix all the holes, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, history would say that teams who come around with a lot of cap space are also more open to been taken advantage of when it comes to contracts, when it comes to spending. And the big thing is, because obviously we've done this, you know, the youth at the position, we've got a youthful offensive line, which is in place and ready to go with the skill players addition. Also on the defensive side of the line, we've now invested heavy. So sort of our trenches are young, youthful and ready for the long term to add. But the Bears don't have that at the minute. Does, does it worry you a little bit that people are thinking 2023, everything's going to be hunky-dory again? Is, is your timeline a little longer? Or, or do you think you can do it next year? Um, I, I think that in the short time that Ryan Poles has been here, he has been a careful spender. And I think that uh, one of the things that has been said about him before he even got here, uh, that he's just incredibly level-headed. I, I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to just uh, throw big, big money at uh, every name that comes across the screen. Uh, I do think that, that you know, if, if you get, you know, a chance on, I don't know, some free agent, big name uh, guard uh, or big name wide receiver to add to, to it. I think, yeah, they, you know, depending upon how this season goes in the development of Justin Fields, how it goes in, in this, the, the new defensive scheme that I'm not saying we're it's super bowl or bust in 2023, but I think that they're going to be in a far better position to compete uh, in 2023 and 2024. Uh, you know, having Justin Fields still on his rookie contract, I think helps a lot. Um, and so we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh yeah, I think it's, it's, you guys know, you, we want a winner and, and it's really, it's, it's frustrating to, to watch uh, your, your team not, uh, not be able to get it done year in and year out. And uh, if you go back to when we were on the bear down report and you listen to our San Francisco 49ers episode, you will actually hear me have a meltdown. Uh, I have to take a pause. I have to walk away from, from the mic. Uh, it is, it's really bad. And you know what, but that's, that's part of being a fan, right guys? Mm, absolutely. Let's um, take a step back and kind of look at the, the NFC North uh, as a whole. You may have caught a little preamble we had before you came on, but how do you think the other three teams in the division did in, in the draft? Have you taken much notice of what the other guys have done? Well, I, I heard, you know, Christian Watson in the second round. Uh, I do find it a little bit funny that uh, the Packers yet again did not draft a wide receiver in the first round. And now, hey, if you didn't find that guy, that's fine. But I mean, I, I just, you know, I do take a little bit of joy with the fact that uh, Devontae Adams didn't want to play in Green Bay anymore because I just of my list of favorite people that guy is at the very 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 bottom um just number 12 he just uh when he goes away i think we can you know what you guys come on over to chicago i'll buy the first round of beers we'll, we'll all have a giant celebration when that guy's done um minnesota vikings i i think you guys kind of alluded to it i you know i i haven't had a chance to look really in depth in theirs but i just i do kind of wonder sometimes what what they're doing um I, honestly I, I i thought they let go of a good staff last year um and, and I, I just i don't know so so i think they're it, it could be an interesting situation um i and i i do I, I mean this i'm not just trying to blow smoke 
I, you guys crushed the draft. And I, and again, I just, even if it was just those first two picks, um, just incredible. And I, I, I do know that, that, you know, bears fans are not thrilled about the fact that the lions are probably going to be a lot better than the bears this year. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. It, it hurt, With all due respect, I, uh, yeah, I, I said that if, if we finish below you guys this year, and I mean this respectfully, but I would start to have questions. I know you guys are in the rebuilding phase and, you know, we're a year in front. But, I mean, if anything, take, take heart from it. It, it. Things can happen so quick. This time last year, as Matt said earlier, our wide receiver core is who the hell are our wide receivers. Now, you know, we've got potentially one of the best, the best depth wide receiver core in the NFC North. It only takes one year. The depth that we have, I know the Vikings have two great ones, but after that, the depth is a little low. But it doesn't take long. Our defensive line is, is in the last 12 months is, is completely different now. You know, we got our two tackles last year. We've got three edges this year. It's very young, very youthful. But the, the turnaround can happen quick if you do it right. Absolutely. It's, it's crazy. The NFL is so different in, in, in that regard is, you know, sometimes a player can catch on right away and, and be fantastic. It doesn't necessarily take years and years and years to develop. I think um, just talking about the Vikings, I think this is like a classic example of a team that are like in rebuild denial. And because they've got like Thielen, Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, there's that belief that they, they can get to the playoffs. You know, they can do something. But really, the Vikings, it's just a roster with so many holes in it. And, you know, you can see what they're trying to do, but they've effectively gone like defence on most of their, their draft again. But, you know, they've still got Kirk Cousins. They've still got an offensive line that really struggles to protect him when he's one of the most immobile quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's... And, and even the defense, uh, you know, Zimmer was just a dead man walking, and we, I think we all kind of enjoyed it. But you know, they've, they've made a lot of reaches on on defense. So I think, unfortunately, despite the kind of first day chaos with the receivers and the Packers clearly like underestimated the run on receivers, and that we all enjoyed that those moments. But unfortunately, I think the Packers have aced their day two and day three draft. Um, so yeah. I think that the whole battle for second place is going to be very interesting this season. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Yeah, um, Ryan, we're, we're coming quite quickly to the end of our time, but like you said, you've got the new podcast. Where do we find it? Where do we follow all of you guys? Uh, so you can get us on Twitter at Bear Down Chai Pod. Um, you can find the Bear Down Chicago podcast just about anywhere that you get your podcast. Um, we're really excited about our next episode that's coming up. Um, by the time that this comes out, it, it may be out that morning. Um, it'll be out Monday morning. We'll just say that, uh, with Jacob Infante, who does phenomenal work with the draft. And so he's kind of got his finger on the pulse of all things draft. And so I'll be really curious to kind of get his two cents on the 11 draft picks that the bears have brought in, um, what he kind of thinks that they did well and what they kind of missed. And so we're really looking forward to that. Fantastic. Thank you yeah. for coming on once again. It's been great to talk to you and hopefully we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll talk to you in the season. 
Absolutely. Well, no, guys, we, we really want to get all of you on uh, to, to talk uh, to about the Lions. We do our NFC North preview. And uh, anytime you guys want to talk football, I am I'm ecstatic to talk with you guys. Hey, keep up the fantastic work. I mean it just, you know, I know how difficult it has to be waking up crazy hours to, to stay up with the NFL and just, um, you know, just my hats off to you guys. Much, much respect for all of you. Truly. And for you as well. I hope all the best with your new part. Yeah, thank definitely. you so much, guys. Yeah, All right. Hey, Cheers. take care of yourselves. See you. All right. You take Cheers, care. Ryan. Bye. That's it, boys. Final guest. Review done. That's the oh. NFL draft 2022. How many hours? I think 21, 22, something in that region. It's been a long weekend. It's been emotional. Ant didn't even have a beard at the start of this. <laughs> I had hair at the start of this. I've I've grown that much that my hair fell out, and you know I've I've aged. You know my, my hair has fallen out. So, yeah. You know I think I think it happened after the Travis Jones pick. It just all wilted away, and you know. And on that it's bombshell, been, it's been a great a great three days. I've really enjoyed it. It it, it it has been a really great three days, and you know before we before we end all this, obviously we've had we've had draft picks, we've had all this all. But do you want to shout out the, the MVP? of this weekend and you know he's he's sat here just to the left hand side of me on the screen here but but our host Matthew here he was meant to be in America during the draft here and you know he got COVID at the very last minute he has not been well he has been ill he has been in bed recovering from it and still through all that he managed to get his ass out of bed and he's been here every single minute of every single show this weekend has organized all our graphics has done all the research has done all the stuff here you know this 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 guy is the is the MVP of this podcast. He he keeps it all going, and you know we uh, we are us. we are we are we are eternally humbled to have you here. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> oh, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. I'm giving him a comment. No, but in all seriousness, you know we are very lucky to have you here doing all this with us because I had to work yesterday. You stepped in. You helped out. You helped out with the guests at the last minute because I have a lot on my plate as well. You've been ill. You didn't have to do all this, and you know. You are the MVP of this of this weekend. This yeah, definitely. Draft picks. So, definitely. and that is the last nice thing I'm going to say about you all season. So enjoy it. Cheers, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also to all the fans that have been interacting, because we've had so much fan interaction on various channels. I've been keeping my eye on Twitch, but I know that YouTube and Twitter, we've, we've just had so much interaction over the last um, few days. So, um, and I think quite a few new names as well. So, that must, that's really pleasing to us all and loads of subscriptions. We really appreciate all of that kind of stuff, guys. Yeah, we, we do. And if you have spoken to me on Twitter recently, I will get back to you. I just I just completely flamed out last night after the entire weekend. There's a load of stuff I need to get back on. I will be on Twitter all day because I'm just having a chill day. So come and chat with us. Come and let us know your draft feelings and, and I will get back in touch with you eventually. I'm just going to sit with coffee all day and relax and not move because I am, I am dead to the world. But yeah, no, I, of... I really treasured actually getting a good night's sleep last night because going to bed at midnight is a lot better than 5 a.m. I found. So, well, yeah, I, I, woke, I woke up this morning and the first thing I saw was a text from my boss going, Can you come in and work today? And I just like, my heart dropped. I'm like, Oh my God. And I was just about to answer it. And they're like, Oh no, it's okay. Someone else has done it. I'm like, Oh, oh thank God. God. For that. And I went back to sleep. <laughs> oh my God. I was so worried that I was going to go into work. But, um, oh yeah, I need a day off and I need to relax. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, just like you guys have said to the 
fans, the guys that have interacted has been terrific. So thank you very much for doing that. And just to Ant's comments about doing this, you know, I, I started the the website and doing the writing, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, whatever, two years ago now, um, because I love talking about the lines, writing about the lines. And I was absolutely gutted when I booked my old thing to find out that it was during the draft. It didn't even cross my mind. It was just, it was the only time I could do it. And then knowing I wasn't going to be here really affected me, actually, and kind of made me think, I don't really want to go on my holiday now. And I kind of turned that around thinking, actually, it's just going to be a fantastic trip and don't worry about it. And the guys are going to do a terrific job in your absence and whatever. And it was going to be a great show. I knew, I know it was, but being able to be here has softened the blow of, of not going away. So we we rebooked. We're going to be going in September. And, you know, hopefully when we're in Vegas, there'll be a game on or something like that. So that'll be, that. it'll be, it'll be a better holiday for it. So, you know, that, that'll be fine. Um, Let's talk about the upcoming shows. I know, Ant, you said you might be doing a college football show next week. Um, Maybe. We'll see. We'll, we, we, we will let you know. Obviously, I, I, I need to have a word with Ryan first. Um, we've all done a lot this weekend, so we, we yeah. may take a week off. Or, you know, maybe we could do something over the weekend. I, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But eventually, we'll come back. We'll, we'll probably do... Because the college podcast is going to take a break. So at the minute, there's not a lot we can do. So the schedule no. for us, we will be back probably in about a month's time because we're going to do a breakdown on every single FBS division. There's, there's, there's a lot of it. We're going, to do, we're going to do a lot more breakdown. So if you want to get into the college game over the summer, we're going to be breaking it all down, the divisions, where to play, the players who are going to be on next year. It's going to be as in-depth as you can get about it. So... You know, that's my next big project to start on now. So keep an eye out for it. Obviously, if you're over there in America, you already know. But if you're British listeners, you want to learn, you know, we're going to do that. And then we'll get on to the stuff in season. So we will be back, but we're just going to have a little breakfast because there's not a lot we can do at the minute. But there's a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. to look forward to with that. But we will do one more show on the draft before we go into hibernation, either this week or the week after. And I know we'll probably do one do one as well we yeah. probably go through the nfl a bit more at large and me and ryan might break down into some of the individual players and that for teams and just yeah. do a little there so so just a plan for kind of so I, I think the main show won't be on tomorrow um our normal regular show is on a monday but it's been a long weekend and i think we just need to take some time and reflect now we've talked about this draft class enough in terms of instant reaction sleep on it a week we will be back a week monday so that i think is the 9th of may uh, and then back weekly again every single Monday all the way through the off season, and then we will do. We will weekends. be doing yeah weekend tape breakdown for all of our new players. I think yeah. is yeah. hopefully what you were going to say. Yeah, so yeah, uh, probably Saturday or Sundays we will be doing some sort of. It won't be an audio pod, but it'll be a kind of live stream show on YouTube and Twitch with us looking through tape, picking out bits we like, picking out bits we don't like from our new draftees and places where we can see improvements. So. I hope that you can join us for those all the way through. It should give you a nice start into what we can expect from from the new Detroit Lions. But just want to thank all of the guests that we've had all the way through. I think in the end, we had 24 of the 32 teams represented, which I think is a really good return. We had the same old problems with the same old teams as we've had done in the last couple of years, which is really frustrating because some of them are some of the larger teams. But never mind on that point. Uh, to all of the people that we've had on the show from 
from the Rural Alliance to Steve, who's put in a terrific shift all the way through. And Ant, you've been on every single moment apart from work yesterday. And and uh, um, Ryan and Tom and and you know everyone that's put in a massive shift. It's been it's been absolute pleasure to do this the last couple of days. And that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, let's go, Lions. One pride. Fuck the Packers. Right. Cheers, guys. FTP. Mm-hmm.